0: Um, It's a lot of fun stuff still to talk about, but it's, we're getting to the end. So um, try to be thinking, especially with tonight, where we're going to be at for a little bit of time, really try to dial back and think of the things we talked about throughout the whole letter to the Church of Corinth, because... If you don't keep it in context, you will end up in the wrong spot, I can promise you that. I've been looking at this all day and if you don't keep it in context, specifically with what even Paul wrote in 1st Corinthians, you will lead yourself to a wrong conclusion. Alright, but before we get into that, let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, we are, God, we are honored that you left us your word, that you entrusted us with it to to read it, to do our best to interpret it, to share it with one another with passion and and zeal. God, I just pray that we never tire of reading your word. I pray that we never lose that fervor to know you deeper and deeper, to know you more and more, to To try to, even though though you are so much greater than anything we can fathom or imagine, God, to try. To understand who you are, to try to live the way that you would. To try to submit to you in every single way possible in our lives, God. the, The victory is not by might, not by power, but it's by surrender. Father, I just pray that tonight as we study your word that you guide us, that you're here and and you're guiding us, God, as we dig into your word tonight. And I pray that we all are willing to share our thoughts, whether right or wrong, whether um, indifferent or not. If there's something that comes up that we think we need to share, God, I pray that we have the courage to do that as well. We thank you so much for your son, for the sacrifice he made on the cross, for the love that he shared with all of us while we were sinners, while we were helpless, and while we were even enemies of the cross. You're a good God. Grateful that you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to have to stay behind here. This is unique. I was like going to look at the back of the TV over here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26 says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Now don't forget, the first part of chapter 14 was really the idea of prophecy and tongues. Prophecy and tongues. Now prophecy was actually better than tongues because prophecy built up the church, while a lot of times with tongues, unless there was an interpreter, it didn't build up anybody, right? Nobody knew what was actually going on. In those situations. So remember that he went through that very detailed right before we got to this part. Alright. Let all things be done for building up. That's the whole point of us being here. To build one in, one one another up, to build up the body, to equip the body. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But is there but if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church. And speak to himself and to God. So you already see that that part is coming back with this idea of tongues. And let me ask you a quick question: Why do you think he said two or three? Why does he put a number on this? Because he's going to go. He's even going to go over here, and he's going to repeat that with the prophets. Okay. So why do why do you think he said two or three? Any idea? Just sounds like the right number? So they could be understood? Chuck? Well, you get a whole bunch of people speaking at the same time. Nobody. Yeah. He said at most three. Yeah. So he's saying, you know, limit the amount of people that are speaking tongues. Otherwise, you're going to send too many messages all at the same time and get people confused. Yeah, when I got to this part of the chapter, I felt I could feel the competition. That's what I could feel. I could feel the competition. Somebody gets up to speak, somebody else got to do the next person. Then somebody else got to do the next person, right? Like there was a competition. Uh, last year at SunQuest, um, I was the keynote. One of the hardest things was the way it got set up. We had a magician who came to do entertainment, okay? And we had an MC who um, preached a lot in that position. And then we had a song leader who between every song was preaching as well. By the time I got up to speak, They'd already heard four sermons. The magician would do, he would have an hour set. He would do three magic tricks and 45 minutes of sermon. And the same with the song leader. He'd lead a song, he'd have a five-minute spot, and it just became talk after talk after talk after talk, and they lost momentum with the kids. They got lost in the amount of information that was being pushed onto them, but you could see that from a competitive standpoint. In fact. I'll never forget the magician, he got down, and I'm looking at him like, man, you did a really good job, but I think you're a better preacher than you are a magician. And he's like, man, I really just set you up. If I were you, this is exactly what I would preach tonight. And I was like, whew. <laughs> Missed everything I was saying, you know. But um, yeah, I think that's, I, I just want you to see the, the competition. Not only are they competing and and admiring certain gifts over others and admiring certain people because they have those gifts. But it seems like there's even a competition every single Sunday. Everything's getting drawn out because more and more people want to get up there, more and more people want to do things. So verse 29, Let two or three prophets speak, and let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, Let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. You can see again in that competition, right? He's even having to tell them, hey, when you speak, speak one at a time. You see that? You can see there's like this competitive atmosphere that is going on. And I want you to see that before we get to the next few verses because it's gonna take a twist and some of you have already read ahead and know that. And He finishes by saying this, for God is not a God of confusion but of peace. You know the last thing we want anybody to do is come in here and say man, that worship it was chaos. There was so much going on, I I just couldn't even keep up with it all. Anybody want to say anything about that before we move on? No? Okay. Everybody saving up their comments for this next part? I sure hope so. Then he says this, As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. How does that sit with you in context of everything else you've read in 1 Corinthians? Don't be giving me the silent treatment. Makes you, want to shut up. Makes you want to shut up. I've talked to many women, many women, and I will say um, it's right now we live in a generation where um, women my age and younger want to be more vocal. They want to be heard. But I've talked to many women older than me that even still at times feel weird saying something in Bible class. Because of this scripture. This is one of the big ones. Right? Go ahead, Mike. You've got to put it back into the
1: context of the confusion that was happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, The pagan women ran things. There
2: were some temples of idols that women ran.
0: Absolutely. In many pagan religions, women ran a lot of the stuff. Go ahead. Keep, right. Okay. And,
2: uh, then you've got the people who've been taught by Sadducees, and they weren't supposed to say anything. So you've got a real mixture.
0: Yeah. I think it's very interesting that this scripture is one of the scriptures that you find to be in this specific letter to the church of Corinth. And one of the reasons why I think it's interesting is because if you go back to the chapter on head coverings, right, you remember? And Paul brought that uh, one little point out at the very end of class. You remember that, where he was talking about how there were women who were prophesying at that church and how that was a potentially unusual experience, but it was still something that was happening at the church of Corinth. And then he says this. Does Paul think that a woman should not speak at all in church." Let's just get to the nitty-gritty. What do you think? Did he condone women for prophesying in this letter? He didn't, right? If we're going to be people who study the Bible, if we're going to be people who keep things in context, your greatest context is in the same writing. And in this specific writing where he's telling women they need to be silent, right, they need to be in submission, and if they have questions, they need to take that up with their husbands at home. I mean that's what he's saying. Is the issue that he doesn't want a woman to speak at all. Because I'm, the reason why I'm telling you this is because this is exactly what the world, okay, everything that's anti-Christianity in our culture, this is a scripture they will go to and they will tell you, if God was real, why does he make women equal? Why does he put men over women, right? Because in another chapter, in another chapter, Paul's talking about the order, right? You remember that? And he says that under God was man, and then under man was woman, right? Woman was created for man, man was created for God. That's what he says in the, same, in the same letter. This is the context that you have to answer this question in. Is Paul saying that women are not allowed to speak? Have we been wrong for letting women even speak in class? Because, hey, if you got a question... Take it to your husband when you get home. Bertha.
1: Scripture says, they're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not under the law anymore. And if you're talking about
0: the law of the land, it doesn't say that. You're right. The law of the land does not say that. Um, I definitely don't think that Paul was writing about people who were under a law. Remember, Paul's the one who said, if you're guilty of part of the law, you're guilty of the whole law. That's why the law was incapable of saving anybody. That's Paul's writing. So he's not. When he's saying that, I think he is talking about something that is dealt with in the culture. If you look at this region of the world, right, And, and you actually brought this up. If you look at the region of this world, there are still many churches in this region of the world where the men sit on one side and the women sit on the other. There's still places like that. We live in a, in a culture that's extremely different than that, but there are still cultures out there that are like that, right? This is that region. That's something we have to understand when we're looking at this, okay? Now, we will say this too. He doesn't make it regional. He doesn't. It's not a regional thing. He says, as in all the churches of the saints. Not just the ones you're dealing with. This is the custom in all the churches. Okay? Now, since I've let you stir on it enough, I'll be the first one to be brave. Okay? I think that this is talking about the perspective of authority. All right. And one of the things that we're seeing is you went from a system, think about it like this. Even those who were raised Jewish, right? You went from a system where people came into the priestly duties based on the families they were born in. Okay. Specifically, the Levites, right? The Levites were the priests. You went from a system where you were born into your priestly duties. Under the new covenant, that opens up to everybody. I'm not a Levite. Right? So that opens up to everybody. And then, go back to the Old Testament, and you don't see this pouring out of the Holy Spirit where everybody is getting spiritual gifts. You see where the Holy Spirit comes on certain people who do amazing things for God. But it's not something that's just poured out on everybody. Okay? So that's another big difference that you're seeing in the culture of this church in Corinth as they're trying to find themselves. Now here's where it gets tricky. Imagine living in a culture where we don't have the Bible sitting in front of us. And people are getting up and sharing what God has put on their hearts, right? Look at what he just advised right before this. He says if there's prophets, no more than two or three at a time, right? In a setting. And what is everybody else supposed to do? They're supposed to question everything that's said. They're supposed to examine everything that's said. They're supposed to dig into everything that's being said, right? So if it's not your turn to speak, you're supposed to be the good listener that's making sure what's said is accurate, lines up. Now imagine being in a culture very different than ours. Imagine being in a church right now where all the women sat on one side and all the men sat on another, and in that culture women really didn't speak in the setting of men. And all of a sudden you come into church, and one side is starting to call out the other side. Can you see how that could cause problems really quickly? So I really think Based on the context of one, we know that in this letter, Paul tells women, if they're going to prophesy, they need to have a head covering, which would be speaking in church. Just to clarify that. Okay? Also in the context with the same letter where he talks about that women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands. I think you're looking at authority. And I think this is something, if, if, I, if I'm being really honest, I think this is something that we're not the only church that needs to really examine everything we're doing and making sure we're doing it as biblically as possible. And what is right in the sight of the leadership here. And we have to live by that because there are times where as you interpret, right, you can come up with a lot of different interpretations. And this is one of those parts of the scripture right now where even in the Church of Christ, there's a lot of different interpretations about what all this means right now, right? And people are trying to draw the lines on how far is too far, okay? When I talk to people about this, I always tell them, when somebody comes in off the street and they see a woman doing a certain thing, will they look at it and say, she has authority in the church? Authority, okay? Um, and that's how, that's how, in my interpretation, that's how I would slice this. I don't think it's wrong for you to participate in Bible class. I think that would be silly to even say. Maybe in a different culture, though, maybe so. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't lived anywhere but here. This is the culture I know. I don't think it's saying that you have a question that you have unless you have a husband, you can't talk to the elders if you're a woman. I don't see that as any accurate interpretation to this scripture. So, anybody else want to take a stab? William.
1: You know, when you look at the scripture, uh, one thing you got to look at the consistency of the Corinth letter. The Corinth church was out of order, and, and that's where Paul uh, spiritually is looking at the church and trying to help the church grow to get in order. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, yeah, I believe in the authority of it, but it's it's also consistent with a husband and wife relationship as far as the church and as far as the home. Uh, I think that's pretty consistent. So you know, you you, you can't be afraid of scripture. What is what it's really saying is uh, they don't want to go back and forth, and they, they want some type of order, even when it comes to families. Yeah. So and that's, that's, the, that's what I see, but I, I think that sometimes we take things and we take it out of order and still are looking at the message that Paul is trying to share with the Corinth church.
0: So you're saying, though, in a, in a similar way to me, that it's because of the order of the household and the authority. I think it's, a, it's the order that God uh, gave us. Yeah.
1: I think if you look at the consistency, not just of the Corinth church, but the New Testament and the Old Testament, um, there is an order, even even creation. So I don't know. That's, that's how I look at it.
0: OK. Chad? I warned you. No, no. Okay.
3: I, I agree. Yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm not walking home tonight. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I agree the both. I, I think um, I think today we over we overthink it. I think back then it's no different than you getting pulled over by a policeman for doing something wrong or whatever the case may be. He doesn't want to hear your side. He wants to tell you what he wants you to what he wants. What he's going to say to you he wants you to listen mm-hmm. i think this was kind of the same thing that they were pursuing uh you know uh, jesus was talking to the people god was talking to them and they were relaying a message at that point point. and it wasn't that we want your feedback f- for per se but we're going to tell you the new law we're making something great here we're all learning something um you know i think it was more of a uh, authority thing than than anything else yeah. and I think today we we can't get past you know, being hurt you know, you can't tell me what to say you know, I mean I think we just read into it way more it was done, the book's been written and that was the end of that okay
0: I think always been
2: women prophets in Testament and in the New In Acts 2, verse
0: 17, it says, under the new covenant, your sons and daughters will prophesy. It does say that. It does say that. I was thinking about, um, what's her name, Anna? Right? She was, I mean, this was, she announced Jesus and um, was prophesying in the temple. So (laughs) I think that, um, again, I think that it's, I go back to the conversation of roles, and God established the roles of the household, just like William, you were saying, but different roles don't equal equality, and the world is trying to teach us that if our roles are not equal, in other words, the same, then you're not really equal, and I just don't think that is, I don't think that's the truth, I think that's I think that's snake oil, if you really want to know the truth to me. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm serious. I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be the mother to my children. And I don't have to be the mother to my children to be equal with my wife, right? There are roles that are established, that God established, that he created literally inside of each one of us, right? And the world is at war with that whole concept. And that's really why we, when we talk about this, sometimes we genuinely get nervous about the conversation because it's really, we believe that our roles, in order to be equal, our roles have to be the same. When God established very different roles based on the way we were created, based on the way we were created. I, I told you the story of, um, of the cockroaches under the, of the, uh, under the pans, you know, but when my kid scrapes his knee, his first choice is not me. Because it's not my role; it's his mom's role. You understand what I'm saying? In the same way. Go ahead, Chad.
3: Because you're not as loving and compassionate. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm being serious. You know what I mean? The mom is
0: the one that's comforting. <laughs> that's why he go You, you are the,
3: you are the, you you, you are the man of the family. You, you should have. You should, um, you know, you should be a little more harsh, a little more stern, you know, suck it up, put a Band-Aid on it. That,
0: that's the way they were back then. The men- Lick the, it, you're fine. fine. Yeah. The men were more, more men.
3: Nowadays, the men are more like women, and the women are becoming more like men.
0: <laughs> we are, I'm, I'm being the lines, the lines are being blurred in culture, and especially in young culture, that's not an exaggeration. The lines are definitely being blurred. <laughs> have
3: you seen UFC fights lately?
0: Um, yeah, I, yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah
3: but i mean i I just see our culture changing i I see you know look at the leaders of our country they are not really men anymore as far as i'm concerned they have failed the young people in this country they're they not
0: they they just do not make good decisions all right
3: they they don't they don't they don't have god in their life
0: well i do think that the, the attack on a family system, especially the way that God has literally described it in His word, is not just an attack on the culture of family. It is attack on the Bible, which is why I'm not afraid to preach about that. Go ahead, Mike.: Developmental thing.
2: Sure. Uh, he has two girls, which meant that they did most of the raising of the girls till they got older. Then, if they're hurt, you know, I broke my arm, they don't run the bomb, They bring dad in. So, it, as you develop, things change.
0: So, I'm never going to get that because I only got boys? <laughs> 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 All right. Well,. No, I, I, I really do hear exactly what you're saying, Mike. And again, going back to what we're discussing, too, with this idea, you know, God made woman different than man for even what you just said, that early development. We can't take care of them, right? I mean, we have formula and stuff now, but if we don't, we can't. We weren't giving we weren't given that role. We weren't given that right. We weren't given that ability, period. Susan. I think that shows up
2: a lot in the kind of off-subject we've got, but we have so many single parent families where one person is having to fulfill both of those positions. Yeah. And it does affect the child and how they view society as they grow up because right. you have one person who has done both of that. So now their concept of society is that person can do both of that. Sure. And so when they grow up and get married, there could be a confusion factor.
0: Because, and it's through no fault of their own. That's just the way society is,
1: and it has to be. You know, we have to recognize that. Yeah, I do. Anybody else, William? You know, we talk we talk about roles, and you talked about uh, first of all, correctly dealing with uh, the relationship with the church or with Jesus. Uh, but you got to realize that. Uh, husband and wife, a lot of times society dictates or, or encourage us to fit a certain role. When I first got married uh, and I was working for Bendix Corporation, I started working, I thought my role was to take care of the finances, pay the bills, <laughs> and uh, give
0: my wife an allowance. Oh. Well, I'm just saying I, I, Well, I was, the roles have reversed today. I
1: was, I was about 22 years, I was young old, young and dumb and, and not really dumb, but I thought that's 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 what men did. Uh-huh. They hound the money until I realized that uh, uh I I had to come to my wife and say, you know what, she she does that a whole lot better than than I can. Yeah. And, and so it depends on the family, but in the, in the roles, I'm not talking about the natural roles of a man or mom. I'm talking about the talents, pretty much. So you know, you gotta you gotta do what's best for the family. I'm trying to uh, help Shad out a little bit. Here. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: nice I think he jumped in the hole with <laughs> yeah. him. Should I call you Fran or Mom? I don't know what to do. With this well, that was Mom.
2: I'm probably wrong about this, but you know, someone said this to me once and uh, it stuck with me. I was told once when this when I was speaking to someone actually about Wednesday night class because I used to would not speak up on Wednesday night because there were men in here. And, um,
0: Didn't know she was that concerned or secretly, did you? Go ahead.
2: I, I mean, this was not that long ago. Like,
0: yeah, I know.
2: You up there, you heard me well,
0: you were me. actually one of the women I was talking about, but I wasn't going to call you out, but okay. since you did it. So,
2: I should not speak if it was a mixed class, but if it was a ladies' class, I have plenty to say. And look at Susan Chicken. <laughs>
0: Still and, um, does. Still <laughs> does have plenty to say. <laughs>
2: and uh, she's my friend. <laughs> okay. So anyway, but someone said to me that in back in certain cultures, that women didn't speak to men that weren't their husbands or men they didn't know. Still cultures like that. So yes. why would they in church speak up to men they didn't know? men that weren't their husbands. Whereas today, if I had a question, I don't have to only go to your dad. I could go to Chuck, I could go to Paul, I could go to Mike Shoemake, and they could talk to me about it and answer my question. But there would have been a time when I probably would not have been comfortable in certain cultures speaking to these men. I would have only had your dad to speak to about it. Not that he's not great or anything.
0: Well nobody has every answer.
2: Yeah, and sometimes you want a different point of view. Yeah. And maybe I've already talked it over with him. Maybe you want a different point of view. But now I can freely talk to these men and it's okay. But there would have been cultures when I couldn't have went up to someone else's husband and talked to him and asked them questions.
0: Yeah. Anybody else? Let my mom have the last word, that's dangerous. Yeah, I think this is good, healthy conversation. You know, I think that sometimes we, we understand the concept, and then but we don't know where to, you know, to draw the line to apply to ourselves. I was, and and this is, even this is just as much off topic as is kind of where we went. But you know, there's even the con the con the conversation is had at times because we have a lot of women who teach the kids as they grow up. Right. Well, we have some women who get they're not comfortable teaching a boy once he's been baptized, right? So I don't think that's my decision to make for them. I'll be honest with you, I don't think that's my decision to make for them. I think if they're not comfortable doing it, they shouldn't do it at all, right? I think that goes back to me, sacrifice to idols and conversations like that. But um, there's, a, there's a lot to this that is not easy. You know, and it's not easy just to make application for everybody either. And from that perspective, right, we have to think about the group collectively. Okay? So you might be really comfortable with something that somebody else is really uncomfortable with. Well, we have to balance that, right? We have to find middle ground in these subjects to make sure that everybody is comfortable with what's going on in our church. I think that's a super important part to this because I don't think anybody can sit here and draw the line perfectly right now that everybody would just say, you know what, that line, that is literally perfect. Good luck, right? Church has been trying to do it for a long time. But it's still stuff we shouldn't be afraid to talk about. I just want to make sure that we all understand that there is no partiality. This is this is Paul right? There is no partiality, there is no Jew nor Greek, there is no male nor female, there is no part. God loves us the same whether we're men or we're women, we are equal to God but our roles are different and He has defined our roles. Um, We're going to move on. That doesn't mean mom you can't talk to other men, just you know not in certain ways. Okay, Uh, you know I didn't expect to have as much laughter through that part of the conversation so I'm glad we did. Um, All right, verse 36. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. I want you to see this as well, okay? Because he's following up what he just talked about and he's saying this is a command of the Lord. Remember, we've had other times In this letter where Paul has said, I don't have a command on this, here, but I'll tell you what my gut feeling is, right? That's very rare in scripture. I want to point that out. Extremely rare in scripture, but it does happen in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter, I forget. I can point out to you later if you have the question, though. Um, So he's saying, this is a command. This is a command. Alright? If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Alright? This, is, this isn't just a little suggestion. This is from the Lord. So my brother earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Because at the end of the day, everything that we do here is to build one another up. That's what it's for. You know? Just because... Chuck teaches, Doug teaches, Matt teaches, go through all the teachers, Paul Scuro teaches, right? we got all these good teachers at the church, and that's a good thing. None of us have every single thing figured out, right? Mike shoemate. None of us have every single thing figured out. We have our own ideas based on our life experiences, based on our situations we've lived through, and the Word and how it reaches all of us, right? That's why, again, I will say this class to me I would love to see this class as full as a Sunday morning. Because to me, this is where the church grows together. So important, you know, it's not just one voice or or a few voices that you ever hear from in this. You hear from voices that might never teach class. And sometimes those are the best things that are said. Everything needs to be done decently and in order so that we can build each other up, okay? Got that? All right, so we're getting to the very end, and he's going to go back to what everything is all about, right? He's been talking about a lot of little things, and I want to get through these few, few verses. I think we can get through them pretty quick anyway. But um, he's been talking about a lot of, in particular, things, okay? very specific things based on what the church in Corinth is going through, the struggles that they're dealing with, what's causing all the confusion, the, the dysfunction, right? Now he's going to bring it back to the whole point. He's going to remind everybody what the whole point of all of this really is, right? Verse 1 of chapter 15, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, in which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. So again, the gospel has to be preached. Then it has to be received. Then you have to stand in it. Right? And that is the process that saves you. You have to stand in it, right? Faith without works is dead. But not only that, you have to hold fast to it. If you ever have somebody tell you, if you've been baptized, you can go do whatever you want, because once you're saved, you're always saved, they're gonna have a hard time explaining First Corinthians chapter 15. You gotta hold fast. Okay? And the world is gonna come at you in all kinds of different ways. And the older you get doesn't things get easier, but things still creep in. Temptation still happens. I haven't grown out of temptation. Has anybody in here completely grown out of temptation? Glad I'm not alone. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the Scriptures, right? That's the Gospel. That is what it's all about. If Christ doesn't die for our sins then there's no lamb that can undo the seal. And all the accusations of Satan are true and against you. You understand what I'm telling you? All your sin, all the things you've been deceived on, whether he deceived you or not, there's still blemishes on your record. There's still actions you created. There's still choices that you made. If Christ doesn't die, that's why I love that, that part of Revelation. He's the only one. He's the only one that could have been the lamb. That is the gospel, right? He had to die. He had to be buried. And on the third day, because of prophecy as well, right, he had to raise. If he was just another good man that died for a good cause, he's not the son of God. Doesn't make him not a great man, but he did. He rose from the dead. Right, and then he's, he goes through this little part right here. I, I want to do a, a sermon series on this part coming up. Everything I got in green, I think that would be a cool little sermon series to do in the near future. But it says in that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Wouldn't it be cool to live in a time where you could talk to eyewitnesses? Not just one, not just one. Right? You think this was like a, um, like a club of people, like they met every year to talk about that time they saw Jesus ascend to heaven? Maybe. I bet there were times where you could catch a few of them at once and get eyewitnesses' accounts of what that was like. It would be so cool to have lived during this time. Right? But some have fallen asleep. All right. Then he appeared to James and all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Listen to how Paul talks about himself. For I am the least of all the apostles. I am the least of the apostles. Unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. How many times do you think he heard that before he wrote that? Paul's past was something tough to get over, wasn't it? It's kind of amazing that he was able to do so much considering the amount of opposition that was against him. I'm telling you, you think about this. The Romans, he was a citizen of Rome. They were after him. The Jews, he was a Pharisee. They were after him. And even the Christians in different places, they were after him. Why? Probably because he was responsible for some of their family's death. Probably because he was responsible for some of their family being in prison. It'd be hard to get over, wouldn't it? All of a sudden that guy comes preaching the gospel, the good news in your church? (laughs) What are you saying to him? My uncle's still in jail because of you, right? How do you think you're an apostle? But look what he does with it. This is something that I, I really want to learn from Paul. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. You know, the part that I sympathize with Paul for is that he thought he was worshiping and serving and protecting and fighting for Yahweh. That's who he thought he was Protecting, preserving. But there's people that were never going to forgive him. I mean, we, we, we've been going through his letters before he dies, before he's killed, while he's in prison facing death. And there's still people in the church. He's in Rome being held... Right in jail by the Romans and the Jews and the church are still trying to make things tough for him. I am what I am. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. I turned that shame into motivation. That's what he's saying. He took that life, those, those bad choices, those, those moments he wishes he could take back. You don't think the stoning of Stephen haunted Paul? I guarantee it did. What a weight to know that one of your first, greatest young talents in the church, you were responsible for killing. He took that shame and he turned it into motivation, and it made him work harder than any of them. And you know what? The fruits of his labor to this day, they show it, don't they? Who wrote more words in the New Testament than Paul? Who had a bigger impact on the beginning of the church than Paul? You ever consider this? How many other apostles did Jesus come to and say, You will be my light to the Gentiles. He was doing the work of 12 other guys. Bigger section of the world. And then he, he brings it all back together. He does, you know, it's... Again, you can, you can feel that competitive nature, right? He used it for motivation. But, but then he shows the proper attitude of a Christian. He says, but the grace of God that is with me, right? It wasn't really about me. It was about the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they being the other apostles, so we preach and so you believed. It's not really just about me. I'm just letting you know that because of where I came from, I've been working as hard as I possibly can. To take that shame and turn it into motivation for the kingdom of God. Anybody want to say anything about that? I just went preachy on you all the last 10 minutes there. Okay, well sometimes I guess when that happens, I don't know if I said it really bad or I said it well enough. But we're going to go ahead and end class. If there is anything you want to bring up to me, feel free. I I understand 1 Corinthians is a difficult book. There's been some difficult chapters. I'm sure that some of you have difference of opinion and interpretation than maybe I do on certain things. And that's okay. That's the beauty of the Church of Christ. We don't draw a line and say you have to believe exactly this way or you can't come in, right? But it is good to be thinking about the idea that even in those spots where we don't know, where we can't perfectly cut the line, we're not just considering one person's opinion or another person's opinion. We're trying to inc- be inclusive of everybody's opinion on where we go and how we lead. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the love that we share um, for your word, for your sacrifice of your son, the hope that, and the joy that we share in that, the peace that we receive because of that. God, I just pray that um, as we tackled some very difficult uh, scriptures through this study in 1 Corinthians, Lord, that uh, we were all encouraged, we were all edified, we were all built up, and and maybe even challenged. That's okay. It's always good to be challenged, God. Your word is challenging, and I've been studying it for a long time in in, in my life, and I I certainly know it, it still challenges me every single day, every single time I read it. Because your ways are so far above our ways, Lord. And your word reveals that to us all the time. All the time. So easy to tell that a genius wrote this book. It wasn't made by many minds, but it was made by one mind, and that being your mind. God, I just pray that as we go through this week, Lord, that we are people who serve you, people who love you, people who put you first in our life that we concentrate on our families, on our loved ones, on our relationships, and we look for those opportunities to spread your word to this world, because that's what it's all about. There's only one name in all of the world that can save, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. God, be with us, help us to be bold and courageous as we try to follow you, follow in your steps, be in your image. Take the narrow path. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.